Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Uh, Steve King and Johnny Putman in for Lisa Dent on Chicago's Afternoon News. And we love to sleep, but we're not always successful at uh, getting to. No, (laughs) it's quite possible that our lack of sleep or poor sleep has been a real problem. I mean, if you wake up and you feel rested and raring to go because you got great sleep, you got a whole lot to be thankful for. Yeah, really. But if you've gone to your doctor and said, I just don't feel that way, and your doctor have said, it's quite possible you're dealing with sleep apnea, maybe you're one of the millions and millions of people that have gone undiagnosed, you need to take a sleep study, and then you ask what that entails, and you say, no, I don't think so. That's exactly what happened to us. We were Mm -hmm. told we needed a sleep study. We were working nights. We said, can we come to the lab and sleep during the day? We were told, no, that's not possible. Then we said, we can't take the sleep study. And this was, I want to say, about two or three different times. We really wanted to do this because we both have problems sleeping. Yes, absolutely. So there's this exciting new medical news. If you have walked that same path and you've held off taking your sleep study because you didn't think it was going to do any good or you were concerned about sleeping in a laboratory all hooked up to machines there is a new sleep study we can do at home i can't believe i'm saying this joining us is a man who's behind this whole sleep study and he's going to explain it to us his name is dr steve zoo medical director of the query simpson institute for bioelectronics at northwestern university and dr zoo thank you so much for joining us today well, thank you for having me. So take us from the, am I not, am I right? In fact, we will be able to do this at home with a kit that we will be supplied with and, and sleep in our own beds? Absolutely. It's mailed right to your door. So how did all this happen? I mean, how long did it take you to get to this point? Because I am sure we represent some of the 30 million people that have, need a study but don't get the study because we don't want to sleep in a foreign environment. And, and when we first heard about this, one of the first things I said to Johnny is, I would assume sleeping at home, you would get a better representation of what a normal night's sleep is. So when did all this? When did all the research start on this, and how long did it take to get us to this point? Well, it took about three years. Um, in the beginning, we actually developed our, our soft, flexible sensors and patches for a totally different application, actually monitoring uh, neonates in the neonatal ICU, so premature babies. But about a year into that project, which we're still doing, by the way, um, we realized that this technology is so powerful, we could apply it in many different application areas. And one that really rose to the top in terms of unmet clinical need and opportunity was in sleep apnea. So that's how this all kind of came to be. We took a a technology originally designed for something else and applied it towards an area that really needs better diagnostic tools, more of them, um, so people can get diagnosed at home uh, accurately and comfortably. And I used to figure of something like 30 million of us probably are dealing with a problem, but three quarters have never been diagnosed because of their concern of sleeping in a foreign environment. Is that correct, doctor? 
Well, I think there's multiple reasons. I mean, certainly you, you have to recognize you have a problem, right? And, and mm-hmm. that's easier said than done, right? Sometimes snoring is just snoring, and sometimes snoring is a serious warning sign for sleep apnea. Uh, we also know that, that women tend to underreport snoring, so traditionally sleep apnea has been more of a male disease, but I think more data suggesting that that's not always the case. Um, and certainly there's definitely institutional challenges and difficulties getting a sleep test. You know, mm-hmm. COVID-19 actually exposed a lot of those challenges and just adding logistical hurdles, cost, access. You know, not a lot of Americans may, may live near a sleep uh, lab, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, those that live in rural states, et cetera. So lots of both, you know, physiological, institutional, structural challenges in getting that sleep test as well as awareness. So if we've put off taking a sleep study, doing a sleep study up until now, and, and, and we realize now we can get a kit in our home and we can set this up. Do we have to have a professional come out to the house to show us how it's done or how is it done once we get the kit? Uh, so you don't need anybody to help. Um, it's an unsupervised home sleep test. That's what it's described. All the instructions and manuals come right in the uh, kit, uh, both the hard copy as well as in the app itself. So we're really trying to design this new sleep test to fit the modern age, right? Not not things that require a, a PhD in biomedical engineering to set up, mm-hmm. uh, but one in which uh, even older adults can do. So in our study, we actually did a significant amount of individuals that were older than the age of 65. So sleep apnea is not just a condition that affects 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds, but those that are older too, and they've been sort of undiagnosed as well. So we really try to think hard about how we make the system as accessible and comfortable for as many Americans as possible. How does this system gather the information? And by that, I mean, is it like Johnny wears a Fitbit watch and that will tell her uh, how how much REM sleep she's had? Is it that kind of technology or, or where is the information going? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, we're um, kind of pioneers in the area of soft, flexible electronics, so devices that bend, stretch, flex with your skin, and that's really important for comfort. And so what you have to do is actually take two essentially um, little sensors, one that wraps around one of your fingers and one you stick on the chest, um, set it up in a mobile app that we provide, and go to sleep. And the next morning, when you take off your patches and put it on our charger, all the data is automatically pulled from those sensors into your mobile device and up into our secure cloud. And that allows us to actually give you feedback uh, almost instantaneously whether you did the sleep night correctly. And if you didn't, you can do it again because our sensors are rechargeable and reusable. So it really, um, you know, emphasizes the ability to, to make sure we get the information that we need from you so you don't have to go through the frustration of a failed sleep test or the need for another one uh, because of how we handle the data. We both have so many more questions. Uh, if you can stay with us for a few more minutes, we're going to take a quick break and, and not fall asleep and uh, go over to Mary. What's up, Mary? Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over. Steve Kang and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio and for Lisa Dent on Chicago's Afternoon News. And right now we're we're talking about 
your sleep or lack thereof. Right, sleep, precious sleep. And boy, I, I had a feeling that there would be people who would perk up and say, what, you mean there's a test that I can take that's easier than a test that I might take in a laboratory yep. or in a hospital? And joining us on the line is a man who's got all the details on this, so keep listening. His name is Dr. Steve Zhu, Medical Director of the Query Simpson Institute for Bioelectronics at Northwestern University, and we are talking about a sleep study you can do at home. And Dr. Zhu, before the news, you were kind of explaining to us what the kit includes I saw a picture of the the thing that one would put on the chest, and it looks like about the size of a matchbook that's opened up. Is that is that about what we're looking at? Yeah, that's about right, okay. um, except that it bends and flexes, so you don't even know that it's there when you go to sleep. Okay. Listeners want to know, do you have to have a smartphone? Do you have to have a computer? Do you have to have any Internet access to do this? Well, um, you can use your own smartphone, but we can also send you uh, one that's already preloaded. So we we do that a lot for individuals that have lower technical literacy or or may not have, you know, Internet access. So we really think about how we can make this as democratic and available as possible. So initially, it started out as being precious uh, information on babies in neonatal care. And then it, it evolved into the rest of us who desperately need some way to address our sleep apnea or whatever it is that we're dealing with that's interrupting our sleep. Um, how do we get our hands on this test? Because we're all thinking, okay, how much does it cost and what does this require of me? So how do we get our hands on it? So this system is prescription only. Um, so that does require you, know, you to talk to your primary care doctor or sleep doctor um, to uh, you know prescribe the test. It is covered by most insurance. I mean, Pretty much most insurers recognize how important it is to get diagnosed should you, you know, have the symptoms and risk factors for it. So it's not something that you can just order online, unfortunately. It does mm-hmm. require a physician's order. <clears throat> so, the, so this is primarily addressing uh, sleep apnea and its impact on your sleep. Uh, what about somebody, and I'll use myself as an example, for all my life I've had a problem sleeping. I need to kind of wind down. I will, uh, if I were to put this thing on my finger, then I would pick up the book or listen to the CD or whatever it is that I normally do to try and get my brain to shut up so I can get some sleep. Does if, if you do that kind of thing, does it have any kind of an impact on the data that is being recorded if you're spending an hour or so reading, reading a book or if you're pacing you, or, or if you've got your uh, your smartphone and the light from all that does that have any impact on how this data is uh, picked up well one of the features of the technology is actually it calculates how much total sleep time you're actually getting so it's actually an ai algorithm um, that was also approved as part of our, our, our fda clearance and and that is very helpful just as information about, you know, how much you've slept. It's really important in the context of sleep apnea because we need to know how many times per hour you actually stop breathing. And so in order to do that, you need to know how many hours you slept. So I think there's definitely usability and, 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 and useful information for those that, you know, having other problems with sleep um, because of, of all the features and, 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 and collections it does. So the person, whether it is a sleep doctor or your, your, your primary care physician, when they give you the script, do they get the data back from the test results so that they can address whatever was learned? 
Yes, they do. Okay. So they get a report that they can go over with you, and then they can recommend, you know, a number of different treatment options, which we have, uh, to help, you know, get people back to where they should be when they sleep. Have you done the test? I have, yeah, multiple yeah. times, actually. And, and D- did you find out anything about yeah. yourself that you didn't suspect before you did the test? Well, I have sleep apnea, so I'm actually a patient myself. And the funny thing is I went through both the traditional route and our own system. Um, and, I, you know, I'm a little biased, but I vote for the latter because of how easy it was and how convenient it was. Well, um, but I think that ultimately it underscores exactly what you're saying, Johnny, just how common sleep apnea is. 30 million Americans, almost a billion people worldwide, uh, we estimate, have sleep apnea. But you know, anywhere between 75 to 80 percent are undiagnosed. That's so amazing. it's really a awareness problem. You know. uh, so many questions for you. Do you know if it's covered by Medicare? Yes, this, this would be. Yeah. Awesome. Under wow. Existing CPT code, you know, it's, it's a well-established modality that, that, that you know, that, that really hope, that really does deliver better health. You know, we know that sleep apnea isn't just that you don't sleep well, which is a bad thing. But it contributes to all kinds of, of negative health issues like yes. high blood pressure, diabetes, mm-hmm. depression, motor vehicle accidents, um, lost work productivity, stroke, heart attacks. I can keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's really something that is that is that is challenging. And I think that one thing that's eye opening is is thinking about how important sleep is. That is the time where your brain recovers, but it's also a time for your heart to recover. So imagine if what you're doing every hour is is holding your breath 30, 40 times. Mm. I mean, that's like, um, you know, intense exercise without any rest, right? That's something that, mm-hmm. that as you can see, night after night over years and decades yeah. can absolutely be very bad for your health. You mentioned people uh, over the age of 65. Is this helpful? Can uh, people... Uh, 23 years old, uh, can they do this? And is is it useful for them, too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our indication is 22 years and above, although we're, we're looking at, you know, you know, going even lower in age because adolescents also have sleep apnea. It's tied to the obesity epidemic in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned the 65 years and older because, you know, that, that's another population that actually is, is underdiagnosed even more so, right? And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of potential opportunity to improve health across the entire lifespan. We're, we're cleared for 22 years and above, but looking to go even lower. Well, and I think we're proud of the fact that a lot of our older adults that successfully did a, our study, and we really thank them for that, we did 225 subjects, you know, many of them reported back in the surveys that they found the system very easy to use and one in which they didn't feel intimidated about and that they would be able to do at home themselves. So that's that's really a, a good piece of um, information for us because we really want to make this test available to as many people as possible. Well, Dr. Zhu, in closing, what do we ask our doctor for? Um, <laughs> well, they can uh, go to our website at www.cybelhealth.com and, and that's our sort of you know, product and, and device. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they order the prescription, uh, they can, you know, uh, recommend that. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to helping as many people as we can. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for doing Thanks. this. And again, that's no Cybel, S is in Sam, I, B is in boy, E, L. Thank you, doctor. Bye. What an interesting wow. guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we got a lot coming up at the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.